You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He is Steve, Xbox Live Stevevich. And we are coming back from our glorious adventuring in the world of Anthem today. March 1st, 2019, in episode 111. No. You see what I did there? Uh, yeah. Normally I would end with a date, but I thought it was pretty cool the fact that we are on episode 111. Mm. Anyway, we have a fun show for you today. We're actually going to be focusing on our Anthem playthrough impressions thus far. I'm anticipating that we'll probably both have quite a bit to say, so... I figure I just figure out uh, how you doing this week, and then we'll just dive right in. Does that sound like a little plan to you, Steve? I'm figuring you what you're figuring out. Really? That will because uh... I'm trying to figure out Chinese algebra, and I'm having <laughs> yeah. no luck. Yeah, Chinese algebra is nothing compared to Chinese geometry. Yeah, well, <laughs> that <laughs> ironic considering that mathematics is considered the universal language. True. I always hated geometry, though. Geometry, you know what? I actually liked geometry. And, and geometry wasn't bad. Finite was good. Statistics sucked, Russ. You know, I don't think I ever took statistics. I dodged that one. I failed it twice. And by that point, I thought, nah, you know what? <laughs> GPA. Uh, it was gotta, nice knowing you, GPA. Yeah. Oh, it was nice while it lasted. Uh, Way to torpedo yeah. that out of the water. I guess I'll work full time now for a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So, how you doing? Ah, you know. ah, well, I'm getting by. Ow. I'm saying that run. That's good. Stay up. It's always by. great to hear you getting by. You know, ah. some Russ, I got I got something to say. Oh. You know, I have to, I, I you know, no, I don't know. Okay, I'm, I, I have bated breath now. Been, yeah, I've been trying to word this out. So, you know, not sponsored by FedEx, but I'm going to mention something about FedEx. My right, show was sponsored by FedEx. Yeah, right, FedEx is awesome. Except for this one case. Drove, just grabbed me by the ghoulies. You've been getting, so, getting grabbed a lot by the ghoulies yeah, lately. I know, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Get some pulled down there. So, Valentine's Day happened, right? A few, couple weeks ago. Yes. I made my world-famous fudge. Typically a day when lots of ghoulies get grabbed. Uh, <laughs> 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 that was good. That was good, Russ. I like that. Thank you. Um, I'll be here all night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I thought, like I said on the, on the podcast a while ago, I'm going to send some fudge... I, oh, yes. My fiance. Mm-hmm. By the way, I gave some fudge to uh, your daughter, too. because Yeah, and I have a bone to pick with you on that. Okay, great. Um, but I figured, you know, you got to set the bar high so she, when, when she grows up, she expects the best. Let me tell you what I expect, Steve. I expect oh, my fudge or any kind of fudge that enters my household to not have coconut in it. I hate Coconut. It wasn't supposed to be for you. It was supposed to be for her. Steve, it's very rare that I get to enjoy your home-baked Man. fudge. And I'm hoping, you know, when I be able, am able to chomp into said fudge, that mm-hmm. I am greeted, embraced even, with the minty flavor. Or perhaps vanilla. some, uh, maybe a little bit of vanilla, but but even if it's just like like your traditional chocolate with a little bit of the old nut action in there, mm. 
Russ likes the nuts. Coconut. <laughs> well, not, Russ, not, not the coconut. Russ likes his fudge to be male. <laughs> <laughs> Love to swirl around a nice oh, set man. of nuts in my mouth. Yeah, walnuts. Russ, <laughs> Cash walnuts. <keys>. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, is that what you use to use almonds? Uh, or walnuts? Walnuts. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, those those make me very happy. I'm very mm. pleased. Might try macadamia nuts. I haven't tried those in a while. That would be well, pretty good. Ross, we're kind of getting off topic. Well, you know, Steve, I just had to tell you that I had taken, you know, a chomp yeah. from the fudge you gave my daughter, which, thank you. You know, that, that was a very yeah. lovely uncle thing of you to do. I know. However, as I was eating that, I realized the atrocity that was... Hmm. Quickly dissolving into my mouth. Well, and, uh, the, Russ, spit it out. The ladies like it, okay? The ladies like it. I guess so. Anyway, actually, you know what? Story over the story. Back when I was uh, doing the cell phone, slanging cell phones, <laughs> I had some of the staff who I wasn't very fond of come up to me I in the uh, big box store that I was working at, and they go, Steve, hi, <laughs> um, could you make some more of that fudge? They actually asked you to make more fudge yes. as an employee? Like like management. <laughs> like, you gonna slap some Benjamins my way here? Because uh, you know, you know, and I know that we don't get along that well. So I'm not, you know, you're not doing I'm me any favors. I'm shit because you're paying me. Yeah, really. So anyhow, so I go to FedEx, which I love FedEx. I mean, if FedEx would deliver my mail, that'd be awesome, Right. So I go to FedEx and I say, this is what's up. I'm going to send this to Canada. They, they charge you up the wazoo and I get it. You know, it's international shipping, but whatever. So I say, look, I've learned my lesson before. I don't want to, I don't want to declare a high value for this. Mm. So I don't want to get charged taxes over something that I created, that I made in my kitchen. That you fabricated? Yes. Yes. Fabricated. That's a good word. I fabricated my fudge. Uh, so they said, no problem. Well, what we're going to do. Things have changed, so we're gonna we're gonna you're gonna declare it as a hundred dollar value. We're gonna send it, no problem. I said, ah, <laughs> I've been there before. I want to declare it as one dollar. I love how they use the word declare. Right. I declare, yeah. like like anyone in society <laughs> actually uses that word in normal conversation these days. I get it back in our forefathers and all that. But yeah, is there a gavel around here? Like I declare <laughs> that is the salt and pepper shaker on the table now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyhow, it, it gets shipped, right? Valentine's, I'm on time, okay? It gets there, sort of. So I get this email. I'm like, I, I get home from work. I'm tracking it. It says, oh, it's held up on customs. I'm like, yeah, just get a day extra time. You know, hey, maybe there's a little big winter storm. It's cold out there. They It's snowy, right? Canada. Yeah. <laughs> it was a frozen wasteland. <laughs> Minus 13. <laughs> so... Anyhow, by the second day, it's still there. And I think, hmm, something's up. I know it's snowing a lot. By the third day, I'm going, okay, I'm going to call FedEx, see what's going on. They said, basically, it's being taxed. And they want an additional $33 from me. Oh. Above the $100.89 that I spent to ship it. So I said, hey, Stevie, don't play that, you know? Stevie, don't play that game. So I said, no, no, you figure it out. You guys figure it out. I said this, whatever, whatnot. Now, two weeks later, it's still in freaking customs. Valentine's Day, Russ, has come and gone. 
So is it even still edible at this point? Uh, I think it is. I think it is. So <laughs> it better be. <laughs> or else I'm going to be in the doghouse for not only a late Valentine's gift, but give my fiance the, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> have some moldy fudge <laughs> so, with coconut. Love you. So I got on the horn tonight, Russ. I said, you guys figure it out. I said, either you figure it out or I am calling the credit card company and I'm just disputing the charges. How about mm. that? And then the package could sit there for all eternity. What are you saying? They go, we'll take care of it. They said, we're going to send you a form, fill it out, send it back to us. And I said, okay. So. <laughs> you like yelled it at that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Russ, sometimes, you know, you just got to step up and... Uh, it's the principle of the thing, isn't it, Steve? Yeah, you got to digitally slap some people around. You know, customer service can be a lost art. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I know. I know. Just when you think you found it, you lost it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <sighs> so that's been me. I... Um, I've been playing a bunch of Anthem. We'll talk about down a minute. I look forward to talking okay. about that. Yes, I have much on my mind about it. Um, Yeah, I put Red Dead aside for once. Mm. And, oh, last podcast I mentioned, uh, what did I mention? I mentioned uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. Yes. And I saw, I, I was watching, I'm watching it. It's a long movie. It's an older movie. It's like 1979. Why is it always quiet? Well, on the Western because, Front. Why isn't it all rowdy on the Western Front? Why isn't it all kinky on the Western Front? Well, because when it's quiet, it's a little too quiet. I mean, something's about to happen. It's, about to, it's like the calm before the storm. You know what I mean? It's like if you're out in the middle of the... not Well, not in the middle of the ocean. If you're on the beach and you're kind of wading out in the water a little bit and then the water gets real calm without the waves coming in, that means the sleeper wave is about to knock you on your booty. That's very true. Right. That happened to you once. By it the way. did. Yes, it that. did. So, thank you for bringing that up. Now I'm going to have nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> Wet dreams. No, yeah. not, 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 not that. <laughs> so. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Don't tell me about that, Rose. So, <laughs> anyhow, um, did you know the, the actor who played Bilbo? Bilbo Baggins. I need to holiday Gandalf. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, 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 keep going. What are you talking about? <laughs> not return. Or how does it go? No, he basically, he says, uh, um, start from the beginning. I need a holiday Gandalf. I feel like butter scraped across too much bread. Spread over too much bread. Is that what it is? Spread across too much bread. Spread yeah, or scrapes? Oh, scraped. I think he said, well, I forgot. Oh, man, it's been too long. No, no, because no, he, he says, I feel thin. Like, Butter spread over too much bread. Yes. And he says, I need a holiday, Gandalf. I don't expect to return. In fact, I mean not to. That's it. Yes. Excellent. So, oh, I love that movie. My Fellowship of the Ring, all time. We're going to oh, have to do a Joygasm podcast episode that is strictly dedicated to Lord of the Ring. Indeed. So anyhow, the actor who played Bilbo Baggins is in the movie. Oh. And I recognize him. I mean, he's a little bit shorter dude, but it, certain words that he would say, like syllables, vowels. Yeah. That sort of thing. I'm like, I recognize that from somewhere. And I couldn't really, you know, recognize him because of his mustache. But. I recognize that. So I had to M-dib him. And uh, sure enough, lo and behold, there, bro, he's the same dude. Well, now you got me curious uh, what his name is. So I'm going to M-dib it and see. 
take a little look. See, yeah. <clears throat> bring up the old Lord of the Rings. Man, that movie came out in two thousand one. It's a long time. Okay, let's see here. Sam Sauron, Boromir, Galadriel, Legolas, Pippin, Bilbo, Ian Holm. That's Thank right. Thank you. That's right. Ian Holm. You know what? What always creeped me out about him, not as a person, but just as an actor, was I saw another movie um, that starred him. Oh, it was. It like took place in the late 1800s or something. I think he played Jack the Ripper. Ah. <laughs> I think it was. It was called something like, uh, like in hell or true hell or. Oh, I think something. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. In fact, since I'm already here, I mean, I can find it really quick here. Let's see. He was in the Aviator as well. Oh yeah, he that's was? right. Yeah, he was. He was I remember in the that Aviator. Mm -hmm. I remember him in the Aviator. Man, he's been in a lot of stuff. Let's see here. Sometimes you don't know. He was in the fifth element. Know. Who was he in the fifth element? Okay, I think I went too far because I think the movie I'm thinking of happened after the fifth element. From Hell, that's what it's called. 2001. And uh, anyway, he did such a fabulous job in that movie that when I saw him in Bilbo, I, I had to kind of get past the character that he played in the movie from hell. And so then, on the, but it was weird because even like in fellowship of the ring, you know, like when he, when he's holding the ring and he's like, I've, I've come to it. I don't feel like parting with it. It's fine. I found it. You know, I think you've got the ring quite long enough. <laughs> <laughs> what is the purpose of yours? What do I do with my own things? Bilbo Baggins. I am not some old codger of old tricks trying to rob you. I'm trying to help you. <laughs> Gandalf. <laughs> But I mean, even like with him doing that, or or like um, the scene when he's in uh, Rivendell, yeah, and uh, and he sees the ring again, like those I feel like are echoes of the character that he played in From Hell. Which I mean, again, I mean he's he's a great actor. I mean, he really brings out the heebie-jeebies in my spine. Now, who he was also in was uh, Ratatouille. He was the voice of the cook. That the, the you're kidding? No. Wait, the, wait, wait, wait. Which cook though? The the, the eat like the bad cook. Okay, the short cook. Yes. Really? Yeah. That is funny. I had no idea. Well, is there anything else new with you, Steve? That's about it, Russ. I'll uh, hacky sack this over to you. Oh. <laughs> uh, so I have a story for you, Steve. Do tell. You see, once a year, there has uh been a annual uh, journey to Mecca of sorts. Uh-oh. In the sense that uh, where you work, you have to get a biometric screening. And this is something that is universally despised and hated by anyone and everyone, but it's something that has gone on, especially with the larger corporations, where all employees get to basically get a physical exam. Good. Great. And what's really nice is that the employer makes these folks actually come onto the campus, you know, for convenience sake. So that way you get to find out just how utterly unhealthy you really are. 
But it's just the funniest thing because if you talk to people who work at a lot of these large corporations, I mean, it's become commonplace that this is just something that they do. And uh, personally, I think it's an invasion of privacy. I don't think that they have any business uh, yeah. meddling in uh, that <laughs> meddling part of my, my life. Metals? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's something that, that just people just have to do. And, and I, I, honestly, I have no idea how this whole thing got started. But anyway. <laughs> meddling in my alloys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous. But, um, you know. I uh, I complied and, and went through and got it done and stuff. And, you know, once again, was reminded of uh, how high my blood pressure is and how awful my cholesterol is and how my waistline needs to be smaller. And uh, uh, my, my favorite, though, has to do with uh, the age of my heart, which for those playing the home game, I am 39 years old. And uh, due to the health uh, of, of where I'm at right now, the, the health status, if you will, the quote unquote age of my heart is more like 51. No. Oh. <laughs> so I don't know about you, but that kind of no. thing really does put a pep in my step for the rest of the day. <laughs> you know, going back to work. Oh. And like, I understand you're really stressed. Yeah, I know. I don't want to do this. <laughs> and I'm at work. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sucks to hear about news, Russ. By the way, can you take over uh, Bob's uh, <laughs> chores? And uh, we're going to have you come in on Sunday, too. Is that okay? All right. I mean, it's just, it's, it's one of those brutal things, you know? And, uh, you know, it's fun. You, you get a little uh, prick of the finger, and they, they take some of your blood, and uh, yeah, it's you, mine. you get to get weighed, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm all, the whole time, I'm thinking, you know, I don't see how this is going to help make my product any better, but... Uh, <laughs> Okay. I'm just going to give me a faster computer so I can get stuff done. Or, she told uh, me, to, you know, what was really funny actually is I try to have fun with it as much as I can. So like, you know, the, the, there's a ni very nice lady who was kind of doing the paperwork at the beginning mm. and she said, what's your name? And I gave her my name and I said, well, what's your name? And then everyone started laughing and behind the curtains and stuff. And she said, you are the only person to ask me what my name is. And she shook my hand and she's like, that is so nice of you. My name is, and she gave me her name. What, what, what was her name? Well, uh, out of privacy, okay. yeah, I'm okay. not going to say. Right. Okay. But, um, you know, it's fun just to have uh, have some levity with that. Human yeah. interaction? Well, like another thing too is like when the, the tape measure goes around my belly, I have fun actually taking my <laughs> index finger and poking it directly into my belly button. So that way she knows precisely where my waist is. <laughs> Not to mention the fact that when I remove said index finger, it leaves an indentation of where my belly button resides. So anyway, had that going on. I just, you know, every time that happens, it's just, it's funny because every listener out there who's listening to this episode knows precisely what I'm talking about. And I have yet to find anyone who says, ooh, I can't wait to go through that again. Except for like the one person in the office who like eats nothing but celery and does like tons of workouts. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, I can't wait to see what I go. Hey, what'd you get? I'm like, eh, okay, well, apparently I'm a ticking time bomb. <laughs> so anyway. Don't talk to me, I might explode. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go home and write out my will. <laughs> <laughs> apparently uh, I'm going to die sooner than I thought. <laughs> So let's play more games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but anyway, other than that, though, been having fun playing uh, Anthem with you, of course, and we're going to be getting into that later on. So I just figured I'd just save my comments for that. And we twitched 
earlier this week. We did. With Anthem as well. We did. We did have some issues, though. We did. Just with um, connectivity. I know you were okay on your side. I don't think you got booted at all, right? Mm, not not Twitch night, no, but over the weekend, yes. Okay, well, I, I have to issue an apology to our listeners because um, we had folks who were tuning in who were watching us play Anthem, but every time uh, that I got booted, it would essentially just, it would kick me out to the dashboard. And so then it would like lose the the viewers and I'd have to like restart Twitch and then restart the game and come back in. That happened about three times. Yeah. So I definitely apologize um, to those of you who tuned in because that was um, not expected at all. But it makes me wonder if there's some sort of problem when Xbox is trying to handle both the Twitch app and the Anthem game. I don't know. Yeah. Well, there was times where we were talking and then you were gone. Yes. And I'm like, uh, uh. I'm all alone here. Where'd you go? I'm supposed to be communicating and I'm not with anybody. Are you alive? You know, and then I would see your your javelin and I'd see your, you know, toast. I'm like waving at you, doing the waving yeah, email. Like, hey, yeah. you know, why aren't you talking to me on the headset? Russ, <laughs> talk to me. Uh, now, of course, we have our world holidays, which I also have to apologize for as um, <laughs> I forgot to talk about the ones that transpired the week before. Of course, we had President's Day. That was a big one here in good old fashioned America. But um, I can't remember the other ones because I uh, deleted them all already. So anyway, this week's world holidays includes, let's see, Day of Balearic Islands. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly, which happens on March 1st. Local public holiday on the Balearic Islands, which are part of Spain. And uh, it commemorates when the Balearic Islands Statute of Autonomy came into effect on March 1st, 1983. Which, in a completely unrelated uh, anecdote slash trivia, 1983 was a good year because Return of the Jedi came out that year. Wasn't as good. <laughs> I'm sorry, Steve. That comment got lost yeah. and caught in the... Uh, <laughs> Got recesses <laughs> of your mucous membrane throat. It got lost in my phlegm. Um, 1983 was a good year. Wasn't as good as 1981. Let's be real. Oh. Could it be because you popped out of our mother kicking and screaming? Yes. You still, though. I still hold the story of marking my dad. I wasn't kicking. Screaming, yes. Not kicking. Well, anyway, anyway, <clears throat> so another holiday that uh, is going on this week, and I'm going to try my best to pronounce it, is uh, Maharshi Dayanad Saraswati Jayanti, Jayanti? Yeah, I think, I think that's how you say it. But anyway, uh, it's an Indian social leader and founder of the Arya Samaj, a reform movement of the Vedic Dharma. He was... Um, the first to give the call for Swaraj as, uh, quote, India for Indians in 1876, a call later taken up by Lakmanya Tilak. So a bit of a, a history lesson there for you. We also have St. David's Day, which is going to happen on Saturday. It's uh, St. David's Day is the feast day of St. David, the patron saint of Wales, and falls on, oh no, I'm sorry, it's March 1st. It's on Friday today the day of saint david's death in 589 ad the feast has been regularly celebrated since the 
canonization of David in the 12th century, though it is not a national holiday in the UK. And finally, one that I, I personally really like the name of, it's Carnival Day. Uh, what do you think of that, huh, Steve? You want to you have some fun on Carnival Day? No. Okay. <laughs> well, the Carnival is an annual festival in Brazil held across the four days before Ash Wednesday. The Monday and Tuesday are holidays. The festival is the most popular event of the year in Brazil and represents a last chance to party and overindulge before the fasting period of Lent begins on Ash Wednesday. So it's a bit of a bummer that you want to participate in this, dude, because uh, I'll be down there yucking it up. Step into our javelins and uh, kick the tires and light the fires and get on with our topic of the day. Oh, yeah. Our topic of the day is... Why are you looking at me that way, Steve? See <laughs> <laughs> his little beady eye <laughs> looking across at me. Our topic of the day is our anthem playthrough impressions, uh, which I must say, uh, give you a little bit of a heads up, that we have not beaten the game. We're just giving our impressions thus far, which I would say, I, don't, I think I have probably like what five hours of playing time maybe more maybe seven hours how much time do you think you've played mm, probably about 10 10 hours yeah so in between like i would say probably seven to ten hours ish you know enough that, that we have a, a pretty good handle on yeah what's been going on pretty good lever you know yeah so i have a bunch of different areas of the game that um i definitely want to get your take on and um i've been just really mm. Looking forward to just talking about some of this stuff as well. So um, I think the first thing to address is this game has certainly been um, a part of mixed reviews. It has. Russ. Just looking around online or talking to certain people, the game um, it is interesting to me because it's, it's not one of those games that just is like universally amazing or it's horribly bad or anything like that, but it's, it definitely has a very mixed uh, type of response. And depending on who you talk to, you'll, you'll get a very different um, play experience overall. And so um, I, and, and even like looking at, at just, just the different sections that we're going to be talking about. I mean, I think that, for me, I have kind of a mixed response, but not in the way that, that you see on online. Because, like, for instance, like, if you were to watch, like, Angry Joe, for instance, um, he's pretty negative on the game. Um, if you were to look at the review of IGN, IGN gave it an okay rate. I mean, it's literally, they used the word okay. I think it, they gave it, like, a 6.5 or something like that. However, if you look at someone like Greg Miller from Kind of Funny Games, he's been posting uh, screen pictures of him playing Anthem and making comments about that kind of allude to the fact that he's having fun with the game. So it's very, it's you know, it's it's, it's very interesting to see um, how everybody's been in, interpreting the game. So 
Uh, to start things off, let's talk about the graphics. Hmm. I have um, watched a YouTube video that someone did. I knew someone was going to do this too, but they did a side-by-side comparison of what the 2017 E3 reveal oh, demo yeah. looked like right. compared to what the final product looks like. And there is a distinct difference. There, it, It's interesting to see um, just <clears throat> what was taken out um, versus what was left in or perhaps what was added to it. But there was definitely a reduction in level of detail within the graphics itself. With the like, final product. Yeah, yeah, with the final product. So, um, and it was, it was actually a, a good thing for me to actually watch that again just because... I've been playing the game now for the last week, I guess. Right. And I mean, the game's still like the graphics, the graphics are good. Like I I enjoy playing through the game, but I feel I could tell there were times as I was playing it where like I was just looking at at the graphics. I was like, well, this doesn't seem like something that would be like on the level of like Red Dead Redemption 2 or horizon zero dawn or something like there, there are times where if the lighting hits stuff just right, or you're flying through somewhere or whatever, there are moments where it's like, Oh, okay. That, that part right there felt like the demo at E3. But what's interesting is like, for instance, um, if you, if you recall in the, tra- in the trailer, it's not really a trailer. They, they were, well, at the beginning, it talks about how it was like game engine footage and I don't know if, if you remember this or not, but remember how like they had that red curtain that was kind of blowing subtly in the breeze and they used that as a background and it had like text in front of it that said like, you know, this is, this is a in-game footage from the, the game engine. Xbox you know, so, one X enhanced sort someone, of thing. Someone, well, they didn't actually use Xbox one enhanced, but, but like they basically, they sold it as this is an actual playthrough of right. the game itself. It was right. not like a pre-rendered cinematic trailer. And um, so then you see like this first person perspective, you see this hand kind of pull the the curtain away. And then you see this bustling um, little shopping area that kind of reminds me almost of Tatooine from Star Wars or something. But, um, you know, way more engagement where, where you have lots of characters, way more. Well, actually, for, first of all, there are more characters that are in like NPCs. Yeah, just NPCs yeah. That, that are that are hanging out in the market. And, um, you know, at one point the camera kind of looks up and you see one of those big lumbering, uh, transport via- What are those things called? Sentinels? Yeah, Sentinels. I, so, I yeah. think it's Sentinels. But like, anyway, you see one that is kind of lumbering by and you're like, wow, what the heck is that? You know, versus the retail version, which, um, there you see a Sentinel, but it's not moving. It's like completely stationary and it's removing that dynamic sense of movement. Also, like as you're moving through the market, if you recall, there's that one guy who actually steps out from one of the, like the market alleyways and comes over to you to talk to you about a problem he's having, which again, that was a very dynamic thing too, in the sense that normally NPCs just kind of hang out in one yeah. spot and you Stand have to there. constantly walk to right. them. Right. And that is the case when you're playing the final version of Anthem is you have to walk up to people and engage them in conversation. You don't have this dynamic experience of, you know, you're just wandering through Tarsus and then someone actually comes up to you because that's much more realistic to have sometimes, you know, obviously you'll have some people who that you will walk up to, but to have other people walk up to you like that and just start talking. I mean, that, that is a whole nother level of immersion in my opinion. Yeah. I saw that. 
I, I, cl- I didn't click on the video. I saw that on YouTube and I thought, oh, I need to see that. And then I got distracted by dust rolling past my eyes or whatever happened. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot all about it. So yeah, when you brought that up, I thought, oh, man, I need to go watch it again. But yeah, I remember sitting right in watching uh, E3 with you as it was unfolding. And I remember. We both were pretty blown away, uh, both with that and with the flying and wherever they went. Uh, you know, flying to and, and destroying a bunch of stuff. And we were pretty blown away. And yeah, it does look good, but I remember it looking better upon first viewing. Well, E3. what's to me, what's ironic is the final version of the game almost looks like what the demo should have been. It's almost like it should have been reversed where because the game was currently in development, they hadn't gotten all the bells and whistles in the game yet. What we should have seen was what the final game looks like now only in 2017. And then when the game comes out, we should have had what the the demo itself had. But I do think though, in terms of the graphics, um, this is an ongoing issue that we're having with all these major publishers. Activision's guilty of it. EA is guilty of it. And of course, EA is the publisher of Anthem. Bioware developed it. Ubisoft is guilty with it. I mean, I I guilty with it. Yeah. I, I remember Ubisoft, um, uh, when they were showing off watchdogs for the first time, I was just blown away. I was like, man, I can't wait to play that. Right. And then I get the game. I'm thinking, man, what ha- this is like a 50% reduction yeah. in what the graphics fidelity looks right. like. What the heck? So I do think that there, um, there is a bit of a problem with falsely advertising what a game is going to look like. And I think that the, the developers and the publishers, they just need to stop it. They need to knock it off because you are eroding the trust of various gamers out there who, you know, they may give you another chance somewhere. And you read it all the time in the forums too, about how people are joking around about how they, um, they've been, um, burned by a company like EA before, but then they decide to give them another shot. And then they see this happen again. I am of the opinion that, um, while I do think that it was false advertising for them to show, um, a world that was way more just, Yeah, just impressive than what we were given. What we were given, though, still, I mean, like the the graphics engine is still really beautiful. I think it's a beautiful game. And um, I I also think, too, that there is room. I don't know if they're going to do this or not, but but they could certainly add more to the environments themselves, which we'll get to in a little bit. But um, they do have um, kind of this this timeline of dropping more content over the, the, I think over this year, I don't know about next year, but it's kind of that sea of thieves model where they yeah. drop more stuff. So um, what are your thoughts though on the graphics? Yeah, the graphics, I, when you're in Tarsus, when you're in that main area, it, it doesn't do really anything for me. I think it was definitely made for Xbox one X because the same issue I had with the demo is slightly improved now only slightly improved with the the final game where you're walking around and sometimes the the frame rate drops from like 24 frames a second to like 15 frames a second you can definitely tell really? but it's definitely not 32 yeah and it almost <coughs> starts to hurt my eyes because i'm used to everything moving so fluid right and when i'm in tarsus i, I almost can't wait to get out because everything looks so bad if i'm just if i'm standing still looking around Everything is fine. If I do a slow pan, it's great. But if I start to walk, it, it, it goes downhill pretty quick. Sure. Um, also, too, with some of the NPCs, what I've noticed is uh, the people who you're supposed to interact with, like some of the main characters, they look great. 
You know, mm-hmm. you can see all, like the detail in their eyes and in their mouth and, you know, whatever and whatnot. But everybody else who, like, you eavesdrop their conversation with, have you ever tried looking at them while they, while they talk? No. Oh, it's, it is awful. It's like, pretty bad. Oh, it's terrible. I mean, if you're walking by and you hear something, like, it's pretty serious, you would think you would stop and turn around and be like, hey, what are you guys talking sure. about? You know, can I interact with you? <laughs> Hit X button. Uh, <laughs> or can I say something? So you look at them and they're literally just blank faces with only slightly mouth movement. I mean, maybe Xbox, the first <laughs> Xbox edition, like animation, it's pretty bad. Uh, so anyhow. Yeah. Cause anytime that you are, are you talking about like when you could actually talk to them or these are, these are NPCs that you cannot start a conversation with. Yeah. Correct. Okay, because I was going to say, every um, NPC that I have initiated a conversation with, I have actually been pretty impressed with just how fluid their faces move and just how articulated their mouths are as they enunciate certain words. And um, I actually, that, that brings me to another point. I, one of the things I think is a triumph of Anthem is the immersion of the first-person camera. And it, what I mean by that is just... I don't know how they did this, but I love the idea of like, um, there are certain times like, like for instance, like there, there are certain scenes where you're not necessarily controlling, um, where you're looking or whatever. And, and you will have certain characters of interest come up to you and start talking and they kind of like lean into your personal space which I think is really nice. I mean, to me, like that's how it, it typically is in the in, in the real world. You know, you're walking around, someone comes over to you, maybe they're coming into your peripheral vision or whatever. That doesn't necessarily happen as much when you're in control. Like if I'm on Tarsus and I walk over to Owen, for instance, and then I initiate a conversation with him, then during that, that course of, of the conversation, he may like kind of come a little bit closer to me, back up a bit, kind of look around and all, all the while it just, it's, it, there's this sense of depth that I think is really nice. And it, and there's a sense of movement where like, if I was standing, having a conversation with somebody, you know how like there's that kind of oscillating movement that you just naturally do when you're standing or if someone's talking to you and they kind of move around themselves or they'll swing around back to you. And right. I just, I really appreciate how they've done that because up until this point, it's always been like, if you, if you initiate conversation with somebody, there's like this framed shot right. and it's a headshot and it kind of cuts back and forth, whatever. But this is totally just them looking at you. And I think that that is a success of this game, but that was in the, the game demo. And I'm glad that they were able to carry that through. Although it wasn't all like, at least from where we are in the game, we haven't seen what I mentioned earlier, which was more of that dynamic interactions where if you're like walking down the market street, for instance, you have someone who walks out and like looks over and sees you and then walks over to you and, and they initiate a conversation with you. I think that is key. I think that if Bioware can implement that moving forward, that's going to, I think, cause people to, to forgive some of the um, shortcomings that they've noticed so far. So um, one of the other things I noticed too at the graphics is that when, when you're out in the world, first of all, what is, it's, the world itself is not Anthem. Anthem is what creates life and all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, I think it is the world. I guess I, 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 yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to all that 
story stuff in a minute, Russ. But we'll, think, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll, we will refer to it as like just being outside of Tarsus. When, when you're out in the wild, um, wild. It reminds me a lot of the movie Avatar. It does, yeah. And that's not a bad thing, in my opinion. No, it's not. I think it's a very good thing. I really do like just the the lush jungle theme. I love the sense of verticality. I love the you know the mountains and the waterfalls and. Just, I don't know. I think that was one of the the secret sauce elements to the movie Avatar was just the the setting itself made for a very visually captivating experience. I mean, you constantly have that visual spectacle of this untamed jungle wildlife, wildlife, yeah, that sort of thing. So, um, and of course, just just being able to to go through it, there's always this sense of unpredictability to me. Like we're like if we if we choose a mission, whether it's free play or we're going to a stronghold or we're um, going on some sort of main story quest, there is always the sense of just not having been through an area before. Even though I have been through it, it's just the way they've laid out the the level and how organic it is. I find myself appreciating it because it's not as though like, Oh, I've been down this hallway a hundred times. I know what this thing is all about, which, which oftentimes if you're playing like a first person shooter, you run into that issue. But well, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm just kind of conflicted with it. Um, I mean, partially I think, well, I don't know. The, the layout is a little bit confusing. I think they could have done it a little bit different where if you go out on different areas of Tarsus, I think that there should be different avenues that you should... Different you, areas of Tarsus? Or, um... Not Tarsus. The wild, Steve? No, well, I mean, you have that little kind of launch pad you jump off of. Uh-huh. But it's almost like the level is almost designed so that no matter where you are in Tarsus, in, 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 uh, Tarsus, where you jump off of, you're just already in the level. You don't have to really explore to get different places. The levels is kind of already designed for you to go one direction or the other instead of you starting out at a different, like, jump pad, for example. I don't know if you're constantly starting each mission. I don't, I don't get the impression that you're starting every mission on the same platform that's on the outside of the wall of Tarsus. I, feel, I get the feeling that there are different levels or different mm. sides of, of the overall city of Tarsus. Um, but, but yeah, I'd, I've never gotten that impression. Like, oh, I'm in the same exact launching right. area. Um, and I personally like how you start out right outside of the wall. And then based on where you fly, um, remember too that they, they have segmented this entire world into the, these different patches. And so once you have reached the edge of a particular, well, it's called a patch, but like, <clears throat> or let, let's say, let's say the, there, there's like a, um, a perimeter of, of these different segments that um, when, when they connect them all together, it's like the entire world. You hit a loading screen, right? And so you have to wait for about, you know, 10 to 30 seconds. And then it loads in that next portion and then you can keep playing from there. So it's, it's pretty interesting how they, they set that up. Well, also, too, I, when you are launching a mission, you have that, that quick uh, cinema where your character is 
basically getting suited up, being powered up, lifted I up. I love that, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I think it's really cool. But all of a sudden, when you start <laughs> the level, it's almost like you are uh, jumping through a portal of some kind where you just appear and then you land in one spot or the other and then go forward instead of, I'm, I'm, I thought it would be kind of cool if they like shoot you out somewhere and then you could land or something. But huh. if you just start the level, you, you see your character getting powered up and okay, here we go. And then once the level starts, you just kind of go, <laughs> you're right there. So that was another thing. If you recall from the E3 demo of 2017 was that they had the character getting suited up that you saw. And then you see them walking out as the door opens right. and it's the seamless loading sequence right. that you go to where you, where you, you start out being on the platform, you're, it's being raised up and then you walk right out to that launching platform that's outside the city walls, which is really nice. It's very compelling because it's like, wow, this feels just seamless. And it plays into just to what like games like God of War have established where, you know, God of War famously is known right. for not having any kind of load screens. Right. So that's not obviously um, in the game. Although the level design is, is nice and the, the being outdoors is wonderful. It almost starts to look the same. Um, and maybe it's just because I haven't progressed enough through the game, but I'm at level 14 now. Mm-hmm. And granted, I've done some repeat missions, but a lot of it starts to look the same really quick. And it and it's fine, I guess, but it, it starts to kind of look like Sea of Thieves where you go, okay, you know, I got an island, I got water, I got sunset, you know, or I have net, nighttime, daytime. Okay, it, it is a nice place to be. What what else will look any kind of different. And I thought I had remembered in E3, there were different uh, areas where you could, uh, I mean, you had underwater, you have underwater here, you have, you know, outside you have waterfalls, but I thought there was more of like a rainforest <coughs> area where this tree canopy was and you had to kind of navigate through and there was like shafts of sunlight shining through, beaming through, whatever. You really whatnot. need to watch that YouTube video that yeah. I was talking about earlier. The guy did a really nice job of showing the side-by-side comparison. And that place still, in fact, does exist. It's just that, the, the like I said, the level of detail has been reduced. So, like, for instance, like, the, the alien herd of cattle or whatever it was that was, like, galloping by is, is not, you know, is no longer present. Um, while you do have certain areas that do have shafts of light, it's not as prevalent as it is in the game. Or like, if you recall, like, like you're, you're running around and and the jungle is very lush with some, some pretty, I mean, like, it looks like trees were taken straight out of like horizon zero dawn or God of war. And and I mean that in a complimentary fashion where like, just, just the, the quality of detail on the foliage is really, really good. However, that didn't make it into the final game. If you recall too, like there's a there's a part in the demo where they round a corner and you see some sort of like ancient beast that's like attacking other beasts, like smaller things and, and probably trying to get its lunch or something. And, you know, you blast by, you don't uh, engage in combat with them. So you do have that as well. Um, <clears throat> and of course, too, when it comes to some of the visual spectacle of combat, there are certain things that have not made it into the game. For instance, if you recall in the game demo, the ranger will land and, and the ranger has a, um, a colossus that's with him. And they're kind of taking turns showing off their different weaponry. The, the rockets or even the, the bullets, the gunfire that you are dispensing will have ref, like surface reflections across the water. Hmm. 
let me tell you that that really does make it more realistic having that in there. Unfortunately, it has not made it into the final game. And again, it's not like this <clears throat> beat you over the head detail, but when you see the side-by-side -side comparison, you're like, whoa, that really does make it more realistic. It has more of that bells and whistles kind of feel that just it's that, that the little details that you add in there and it suddenly just makes the, the, the world pop. You're like, man, that looks really good. <laughs> man. Yeah. What happened? Well, it's, and like, for instance, like another thing too in the game demo was that you saw one of those sentinels that were moving in the world and lumbering and you had some of the, um, the, I don't know what they're called, the scars or whatever, like some, one of the, one of the warring tribes, for instance, um, you know, they, they shoot it down. So it collapses and there are people in there that are from your city and you're having to rescue them. And so you come down and, um, <clears throat> I think it was both the Colossus and the Javelin, or Javelin, the Ranger, where they take turns doing their ultimates. And if you watch the explosions, the explosions are quite the feast for the eyes. I mean, <laughs> like they, they, they just, they just look amazing. If you compare that to the explosions in the retail version of the game, the, um, <clears throat> the explosions I think are still good. Like I still enjoy watching the explosions and the sparks and all that kind of stuff. I still feel like it, it feels and looks really nice. But again, it's just, it's what, what we're receiving is not enough to get it over the finish line of just being completely blown away by the visual spectacle of things when you compare it to the demo itself. So totally go check out. I mean, it's really easy to find. It's it's like one of the biggest. Put a link in the description beams. there, Russ. <clears throat> well, I think that's a good idea, Steve. Thank you. So moving on from graphics to sound effects, yeah. I do think that this is one of the stars of the show. I absolutely love the sound of Anthem. I think the sound effects of how the javelin sounds when you're flying versus when you land or um, you're using your weapons. Everything has a real punchy, meaty sound to it, which I love a lot, especially with uh, my speaker set up here. I love playing this game loudly and just really getting into the, the, the ambiance that, that it creates. Um, the music itself is also very heroic. I almost wish that they had more music that would play. In fact, that was one of the things too during some of the demos was that they had music that I don't believe made it into the final retail version of the game. But I do think, given the the wordsmithing of the game, where like they're using words like anthem and javelin and ranger, colossus, you know, and also just the persona that they are giving these different types of classes, I um, would love to have more heroic music come in, especially like perhaps do it in such a way where what Horizon Zero Dawn does, like when you're engaging in, in battle or something, or like when you're playing Spider-Man, you're swinging through oh, the, yeah, the cityscapes, right. and how the music begins to swell. I would love it if Bioware were to adopt something like that. And I think to a certain degree they do have something like that in there, but it's not as noticeable. And I think that if they were to really push that, once again, push it um, over the finish line, I think that that would also just make for just the sweeping experience of, uh, of playthrough. What are your thoughts, Steve? Yeah, the sound is, is is good, but I think there are sounds that are a bit too much. Where, yeah, if you're, you know, you're you're flying this heavy mech of sorts, 
and each javelin has their own footstep sound, their own ka-chunk, ka-chunk, ka-chunk when you're jumping, walking, running, landing. Uh, but then there's the combat where certain sound effects will almost blow out your speakers. Right. And yes, it does invite you to turn it up loud because it, it immerses you more with all the sound effects and the water and the little wildlife and the shooting and explosions and running and fire and whatever whatnot. But some of the other sound effects, which are other, I think they're mainly trying to sound otherworldly, are way too sharp with the bass where I thought I literally blew out my new <laughs> pair of speakers and I wasn't, I mean, I, it was loud, but it wasn't like it was, you know, call the cops because it's noise pollution loud. You tend to play your games pretty loudly. <laughs> yeah, well, <clears throat> well, you know. I mean, I can no hear it home. through your headset. <laughs> yeah, yes. So, but anyhow, so yeah, so the, you will land or there'll be some explosion or just some big sound effect and you'll be like, like what in the world just happened there? You know, turn it down a little bit because I don't want to blow up my my speakers. And then I'll think, oh, something's happening. It sounds really cool. I'll turn it back up. I'll turn it back up, and then it'll happen again. So I don't know. There's no real happy medium. Mm. Um, but as far as uh, the music, yeah, the music is is really kind of hit or miss. In the beginning, it invites you in to be something along the lines of either like Halo or Mass Effect or um, uh, what's what's uh, the other Bungie game? The uh, gosh, what is it Destiny? called? Destiny, thank you. Mm -hmm. I'll have you yet to pick up. So anyhow, but when you start to play the game, then the music just kind of fades away. And it's like, eh, life is usual, yeah, whatever, you know. And then it, it I don't know, it, it brings on this serious tone. And at times it is serious and then it just fades off as in like, yeah, it's just kind of whatever, you know, and it's not prevalent throughout. Mm. And I kind of would think that if you're, they're trying to set a tone in the beginning of the game, they should probably carry it through the rest of the game in a sense. Yeah. Because <clears throat> the music in the beginning is amazing. Oh, it With, really on the is. title screen, it's awesome. Yeah. And, and like the, the, the victory screen too, where your yeah, experience is being yeah. tallied. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoy that too. So moving on to story. So the story itself to me is still being revealed. I know that a lot of the community has talked about how they don't really think that there is much of a story to the game. Um, but with us being seven to 10 hours in, <clears throat> I'm still meeting characters who um, I've been kind of uh, collecting. And so I, of course, have not made it to the end game yet. And so the, the jury is still out for this, but if I'm to believe the, the kind of the general consensus of what people have been saying, it sounds as though there's kind of a bare bones story, which I was always concerned about with this game because even when uh, the wind, it's we, oh, I'm sorry, goose. We thank you. So when we were watching the, the, the demos, Everything was firing on all cylinders, except we kept asking, well, what is the game about? What is the story? And so I'm not exactly sure how this is going to end up, but it, I, it's going to be surprising if there is hardly any kind of story in this game, considering that it is a Bioware title, because this is Bioware we're talking about. This is Mass Effect 
Bioware. This is Jaded Empire Bioware. This is Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic Bioware. I mean, like they are one of the developers that have been my favorite storytellers. And for them to gloss over this component of the game, um, I think will be a very unfortunate thing indeed. But I'm not, I can't really comment on it yet because I'm still playing through the game. I can say that so far, I really like the characters that I've come across. I think that they're very interesting. I enjoy talking to them and finding out more about them. But yeah, what do you think? No, I, I, I'm completely passable on the entire story. There, there's, I, to me, there's not enough mystery to keep me intrigued. Mm. And even with all the, pretty much all the interaction, I'll just, I'll just go there. Um, all the interactions that I have with the characters is real kind of artificial. It doesn't seem like I want to go talk to them. I talk to them because I have to, to progress the story. But nothing they really say is awe-inspiring or mysterious or making me want to learn more or anything like that. It's just kind of like, okay, give me, give me the contract so I can go back out and into <clears throat> combat. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm talking to you because I have to. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, there have there there are some cutscenes, and yeah, it reveals you know this, that, and the other, and those are fine and fun. But um, as a whole, I mean, it's basically okay. There was this world was created and. Now the creators of the world kind of gave up on the world yeah. and other people are trying to get what tools that the creators made the world. And you know, those who have the tools to create have the power and will rule, I guess. And so there's some fighting going on and somehow you are part of the faction with high walls. And I don't know. I don't, I, well, you know, and I think that's the problem is that it's still very nebulous. Well, that's the thing. <clears throat> I mean, it shouldn't be. I mean, they right. they should bring you into the story and, and make you want to find out more, not say, oh, well, this is how it is right now, and stay tuned because uh, when we get more story done, we'll give it to you. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I, I think that, that you're, you're hitting on something here, which is that there is... See, Destiny had the same problem. I never played the first Destiny, but I did play the second Destiny. And um, they... I don't know why this is a trending thing when it comes to more of like the action RPG genre, but they seem to, to intentionally just, they give you like this kind of bare bones backstory and then they just expect you to just grind out through the game. And it's like, well, what is the purpose of us being here? Why, why is, you know, and you, I think that um, for me personally, that, that Bioware has, <clears throat> they've weaved together a, a, background high level story that I can get behind more so than, than the destiny backstory. Um, and, it, and I think that they're, what they have is actually a very good recipe for getting me more into the world and into the story and that sort of thing. But I think the problem is, is that while they, they they've created this skeleton and I think this is, this is kind of an overarching theme with all, every aspect to Anthem is that they have created a very good skeleton and we'll get to this in a bit. So I don't want to talk too much about this, but they need, they need to fill up everything else uh, around it in order for it to just feel complete. So gameplay. <clears throat> well, that's the all-star of the show, Russ. Yes. So what I have found is that 
being inside Tarsus is a very different experience from being outside of Tarsus. Being inside Tarsus, you're in first-person perspective, and you move pretty slowly. You do, yeah. Um, which is not necessarily a horrible thing, but I would like to be moved maybe a little bit faster. Right. And being in tar- in Tarsus, it just it seems like it's kind of empty, which is weird because like you know you walk around, you do see people standing around and stuff, but it just doesn't have that lively, bustling feeling like the game demo had. It's dull, mm-hmm. yeah. And and like you hear like background chatter, but like you don't really see a lot of people around there, and it just it just feels hollow. Well, it feels small too. Yeah, that's I mean, yeah. Tarsus is. You mean there's ginormous walls? I mean, you got to thrust rocket all the way up to even get to the platform. And then when you're actually inside, it's one or two levels that have a a very small corridor and a handful of people. And then that's really it. There's no exploring. There's no, okay, you're going to graduate and get to further in Tarsus and explore this, that, the other. Yeah, that's it. Right. Now on the very uh, plus side of things, the flight mechanics are perfect. I absolutely love flying my javelin through the world, having that sense of verticality, being able to on a dime, just go from like flying forward to all of a sudden hovering in midair and and gaining that situational awareness. That is such a brilliant move. And especially when you consider the fact that we really haven't had really any kind of game that allows you to fly like this. You know, I think that the flight mechanic is one of those last bastions of gameplay um, that really has not been explored. I think when you're playing Spider-Man, for instance, for PS4, they have the swinging mechanic and that was also, they nailed that. That was a lot of fun. It was very exhilarating to be able to like swing and like, you know, web sling your way through Manhattan. But in this game, like I just, I absolutely love how they have achieved the flight mechanic itself. Also when it comes to combat, I really do enjoy the combat. I think it's uh, that's probably some of the most fun I've had with um, a shooting game in years. I, I think I, I'm trying to remember like the, the the last game I've had. Like I don't really count Red Dead Redemption as um, being in the same category as a game like this. I think this is almost uh, more like a Gears of War ish because it's third person and uh, just just the weapon loadouts and stuff. It just it fits more of that, but. I personally really like it. I love the idea of having squad combat. I love how in this game, it is very much a team effort. And I think that's one of the biggest things because we haven't really had a game like that come out in a long time where um, there is this this really intense feeling of, of watching out for each other, of moving forward and being able to like, you know, synchronize how you're going to do your plan of attack. And it just, it feels very natural and organic and, um, I, for one, really, really enjoy all of that. What, what's the use to you? Yeah, Russ. Like I said earlier, I, when I finish a mission, I don't want to be in Tarsus. I just want to go back and out there in the combat. Right. I will say, though, the free play is a little bit different. I was just exploring to see what kind of stuff I could find and bring back, you know, harvest, whatnot. And I found that free play was, I mean, it was cool because I, I didn't have this time limit or I didn't have to, uh, you know, if your squad goes ahead and you stay behind because you want to check something out, then it'll just pull you over, you know, and reload you to where they are. None of that stuff, which was cool. But at the same time, if you get 
attacked by something and you run out of ammo, there's not really hardly any ammo that is prevalent enough for you to keep on playing free play. Have you found yourself in that situation? Yeah. I'm like, okay, what would I do now? I mean, I have to, I guess, find some baddies to kill because I'm out of ammo to protect myself. See, I'm surprised to hear you say that just because I know that you've been maining as a storm class. Right. Which gives you the ability to control the elements. I wouldn't expect you to be really using your firearms all that much. Well, I mean, you're supposed to use all your weapons. I mean, yeah, you, you, the thing is, you're going to have to recharge. You, you can't just keep on hitting like the shoulder buttons of the controller and he just goes, hey, lightning, lightning, th- 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 thunder and the lightning sort of thing, you know? That was a little Imagine Dragons right there for you, Russ. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> you have to recharge. And so you're basically avoiding fire until you can recharge and then throw something else at him and then avoiding fire and then recharging, throwing something else because you're out of ammo. So that kind of handicaps you in a way because you're one less firearm than the rest of the, the enemies who have endless supplies of ammunition. <clears throat> and therefore, you, it, at some point, it just forces you to go back to Tarsus and just kind of restart free play. I have not had that experience. Mm. Maybe I not. have had a couple of, of times when one of my weapons was temporarily out of ammo and I had to switch over to my other weapon. Mm. But I was able to um, relatively quickly find more ammo packs that got generated, and then I was able to switch back and forth. So yeah. it's interesting to hear you say that. But what uh, do you think of the combat itself overall? No, yeah, the combat is is great. <clears throat> um, I mean, I, I love that the team based squad. Uh, you know, kind of everyone everyone kind of almost does their own thing, but you can tell where everybody is on the map without having this radar in your face. You can kind of you know you see where the little silhouettes are. I will say that. It's nice to, if you die or you are out of commission, malfunction, malfunction, there you go. You don't have to like start the level over or anything else. You're just there. It can be boring at the, at, a, at times because sometimes you're swarmed with the enemy and you're just waiting there for like five minutes. I tell you your that thumbs. That is such a sucky <laughs> feeling when you're, <laughs> you're just like, sitting there for, this seems like forever. Yeah. You can't do anything. Yeah. It, it's, it's pretty brutal at times. You know what's even more brutal, Russ? No. Trying to think of something to talk about on Twitch while you're waiting <clears throat> to be repaired. You Indeed. Know? Yeah, that's that's rough. It is rough. Well, uh, and I think, too, that it's kind of a newbie thing. I, I, I think that that will probably be improved the higher level that you go because I have a feeling they probably will match you more closely with people who are within, like, I don't know, five levels of you or something. Well, I would expect them to give some sort of time limit. I mean, it, let's say you're playing on the hardest difficulty and three three out of the four squad mates are done and out of commission. So you're waiting on the one guy to save you <laughs> and you're sitting there for five to ten minutes waiting for him to get to you. I mean, that's boring. Yeah. So, but we're not there yet. Anyhow... Gameplay is awesome. Uh, I love shooting. I love throwing the thunder. I love throwing the the fire. Are you pleased with your class choice? I am, Russ. Okay. I am. I I, I unlocked the Colossus and I played with him for a little bit and I started missing my, my storm, you know? I miss my storm. I do like how they dole out the classes. Yeah. Like they allow you to choose which class you want to start with. And then as you level up, you will eventually unlock all four classes. Yeah. So if you're getting burned out on one or you want to give another one a shot, then you have the ability to do so. Yeah. You know, if I go back to sound for a second, I do wish they would have more of a 
mechanical sound when your thrusters are firing up or like if you come in for a quick landing, like you're coming in hot, I'm trying to like repair you and sure. jump right back out. If there'd be more of a um, impact with that. I mean, there's plenty of explosions and in your face type sound effects, but uh, not so much with the mechanics of the javelin that I would like, you know? I mean, yeah, you hear the, the thing clunk with its feet and mm-hmm. you hear the guns, of course, but um, I'd like to hear like the thrusters, maybe, you know, with... with uh, while you're you're uh, uh, dodging, dodging, or what is that? Uh, what, what's what's it called <clears throat> when you're in the sky and you uh, barrel roll? Uh-huh. You barrel that sort of thing, or you come in hot and land on a rock and 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 you're trying to re- repair your ally. Sure, I would like a lot more sound effects there. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, more sound. It's always nice to have more sound effects for things or, yeah. or tuning things in such a way that. Makes it more of a um, <clears throat> joygasm for years. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But yeah, in terms of the animations, let's talk about that too. The animations is also, to, in my opinion, it's one of the highlights of the game. I feel like the sound effects, the gameplay mechanics, and the animations, those three are like the highlights of this game. And just watching like just how you fly the barrel roll, roll animations. For instance, like my class is the Interceptor. And so it's more of like a a melee-oriented character. Of course, you know, he has different weapons that he can use too that are are more long-range. But in terms of just watching the different animations take place, even with the the bad guys, if you look at the NPCs moving around and stuff, you know, when you're malfunctioning and you can't move, you're beginning to notice more of the subtle animations (laughs) of things. Uh, but no, I found myself really appreciating the the attention to detail when it came to how the characters moved. And um, even when you're in Tarsus, once again, going back to that first person, people are talking to you, they're getting into your personal space. The um, uh, amount of articulation and detail in the face as they're pronouncing their words and stuff. I dig it. I think it's really good. Um, but I, I will say like when it comes to being in your javelin, just all the different movements is to me very satisfying. And it's fun to be able to watch my teammates. Like it's fun to watch you float around and do your thing as, as a storm class versus watching a ranger versus, versus watching a Colossus. I think they were successful in creating archetypes of each one of these classes because I can easily identify, oh, that's a Colossus over there versus, oh, that's a storm over there. So, um, what do you think? Actually, Ross, what did you name your interceptor? Have you named it yet? I don't think I've named it. Hmm. Where do you do that? Pity. When you are, if you're in your javelin customization screen and you hit Y to get back out, if you were to select a different javelin, you can go in there. You can, you can actually make a few different versions of your same javelin. So if like you wanted a yellow javelin and then you want like a black javelin, you can make two different versions of that javelin. Same class? Yeah. Really? Yes. And then you go in there and you can wait, name wait, the wait, thing. Wait, hold the phone. Oh, great. So you're telling me that I could have like five interceptors well, and, I and have them saved out as like different. Oh, that's right. Remember that uh-huh. now. Uh-huh. You can customize. Ah. That's actually really nice. I like that feature. I like being able to go in there and just, you know, whatever. It's the flavor of the day, right? Like I'm thinking, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll choose uh, custom number one versus custom three. Feeling a little limey today. Yeah. 
Anyway, yeah, the animations, I think, is, is really hit and miss. I think that uh, some of the stuff looks really, really good, and the other stuff, they just really missed the boat. I think that they could have included more animations with the javelins. I think it could have been smoother. Really? See, yeah. I, th I, I think their movements are super smooth. I mean, they're fine as they are, but I think they just could be better. Huh. Um, I don't know if it's more frames per second or it's just more detail, but I, I'm... It's fine as it is, but it, to me, it just doesn't stand out. I think you need to get an Xbox One X because I have a feeling that you're not seeing or experiencing what I'm seeing and experiencing. I think that, that when you're able to get an Xbox One X, I think that there will probably be more um, fidelity to the game overall that you'll notice. But that's just one man's guess. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> now... One of the things that I wanted to bring up, and we've been kind of, um, uh, I don't know, bouncing around this here and there a bit, but um, the idea of MVP. Do you know what MVP stands for, Steve? Most valuable <clears throat> player. Normally in sports, yes. <laughs> in the gaming world, however, it stands for minimum viable product. And Thank you, Mr. Dictionary. Well... If you want to know the dictionary <laughs> got, term, I just had to say, it. okay, go. A minimum, minimum. Bleh. Okay, that that that's what it was. Huh? A minimum viable product or MVP is a product with just enough features to satisfy early customers and to provide feedback for future product development. Mm. This game is definitely an MVP, and not only is this game an MVP, but there have been several titles that have come out recently, such as Sea of Thieves or the latest Call of Duty game, where you have, I mean, or Destiny 2, you have an MVP situation. And what's interesting is that um, I remember working at a game company back in 2009 where the CEO actually was ahead of the curve on this and was wanting us to develop a game that we would intentionally release at pretty much what... what people would consider to be at like, say, 60% complete and then drop in the remaining 40% in these like 5 to 10% increments over the course of the next year or two. <clears throat> and the idea being that, that you would spurn more interest because you'd have these huge DLC drops and that sort of thing. And um, it's interesting to see how you know, about 10 years later, that has, that idea has really become um, rooted in some of these AAA titles that we are seeing. And I, for one, do not like it. I am not a fan of a game that is intentionally not complete when it goes to market. I think it preys on the consumer and I just, I'm, I'm old school in the sense that, you know, I, I started playing games back in like the Atari and, and, you know, the eight bit system. Free internet Wi-Fi, Yeah. 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 Where like a game was complete and not only was it complete, but you had to really be sure that it wasn't buggy either because there was no digital download There's or whatever. I mean, like, like no you, fix, yeah. you had a cartridge and that was it. You plugged it in and it better work. So there was a lot more stability back in the day versus nowadays. It's like you have a game that comes out that's basically in its beta stage and you have certain bugs that are, you know, a level bugs, B level totally, but there are still a couple of a level bugs and not only that, but, just, but then you have these worlds that again, they feel empty. They feel hollow. I mean, 
you and I have put a lot of hours into Sea of Thieves because once again, Sea of Thieves is a game that at its core, at its basic fundamental gameplay mechanics, it's a lot of fun. But, and it goes back to that skeleton analogy, like, like they've, they've created this really great skeleton structure of the game, but they haven't put in the organs or the muscles or the tendons or the tissue. Or the None eyeballs. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, like you have to have this world be fully fleshed out no pun intended, mm-hmm. and realized in order for people to to really enjoy the game and play it long term. And I have a feeling that this is going to create a mindset with gamers where you will not have the multi-year loyalty that you do with other titles. For instance, in Grand Theft Auto V, it's, it's like the best-selling title They've continued to make just a boatload of money over the last, I don't even know how many years it's been out. Like five. It's been more than that. I think GTA 5 came out in like 2014, 2013, 2014. Either one, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's been out for for quite some time, but they've done the the online component. Like, first of all, the single player um, story itself was very well done. I mean, you have, a, you have a, a fully realized story. You have characters that are very interesting due to their character development. And the developers spent time fleshing that out. And then you have the online component that they have fully embraced and supported. And they have continued to make a very aggressive DLC drops. Well, as a result, you have a huge legion of GTA fans that have continued to play the game. And they absolutely love it, and they'll have microtransactions and everything else because they see that they're getting a good deal as opposed to something like, say, for instance, Sea of Thieves, which, you know, to be fair, the DLC drops in Sea of Thieves are free. They're not charging any more money for. But at the same time, it's not like you're getting more additional things to play to expand the game. You're simply receiving that 40% that was missing when you first bought the game in the first place. So I just think that that's the same situation here with Anthems. I think there was tremendous pressure from EA on Bioware to release this, this game for like their first quarter earnings or whatever it is, whatever you want to call it. They were, what's crazy is what we have seen in this game. Can you imagine if, if this game had come out last year when it was originally supposed to come out and it didn't have the extra, I don't know, four (laughs) months, four or five months of dev time. I mean, it would be more empty than what we saw current or what what, what we see currently. So yeah, there there's, there's definitely something amiss with some of these bigger publishers like EA and, and Activision and whatever, whatnot. I mean, with everything that's been happening with, with the Call of Duties and this and uh, a few other games where people are like, man, I spent a ton of money on this and now you're wanting microtransactions and the game's not done yet and the game's like even small to begin with and you thought it was going to be big. You know, Fallout 76, another big one that didn't uh, fulfill its promises. Man, I tell you, in this day and age, they're going to have to really, everyone's going to have to step up their game. Yeah. Really, because there is no more... Okay, here it is on 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 E3, and it's in the internet forever, where everyone is going to look at that and then bring out another video of the current retail version of the game. And I mean, this time next year with games that are coming out, this could happen all over again. Yeah, yeah, and and especially too with the the 
releases that have come out recently that really do focus on stories such as Spider-Man or God of War or Horizon Zero Dawn or Red Dead Redemption 2, you're seeing um, the sales numbers from those games. Some of which don't have an online component at all, but it really speaks to how vital it is that you spend time fleshing out the story. You have to give players purpose as to why we're here in the first place. Right. Because as George Lucas famously said, a special effect without a story is a pretty boring thing. Mm -hmm. And while I don't think that that completely applies to Anthem per se, I do think it is in the general direction of that where you have a lot of flash, you have a lot of spectacle, but I really want to be able to, to feel compelled to get into my javelin as something. And I think, once again, I think that they have the enthusiasm in the game, you, you can feel the enthusiasm that they're, that they're striving for. You can feel the persona that they have crafted for the the freelancers. You know where we're like they're like this kind of swashbuckling, you know, like here to protect the people kind of thing. Um, you have your your kind of rogue band of characters that you interact with, and you have your rousing music. You've got like like the the punchy sound effects. I mean, again, you have all of these different components that when combined together make for a really fun playing experience, but they need to be able to, like I said, I think the main thing I keep coming back to is they need to get across that finish line. You know, you're here, you've got, you've got the makings of something great, but you haven't actually made it great yet. So, um, I do have a, a list of a few changes that I think would be really nice of Bioware to implement during their DLC drops. But first of all, I want to have your party stay with you in Tarsus. I think it's a bummer when you return and you can't see your buddies running around uh, Tarsus doing their thing and allowing you to talk to them and come up to them and interact. I think that that is something that is nice about Destiny is that when you go into a, a city... Um, you're all together and you can run off and run amok and do your thing and then come back and then you'll take off somewhere. But I think it's kind of a, it's a weird thing to like have four people squat up. They come back victorious from like their, their spoils of war or whatever. And then you don't see them in Tarsus and you have to wait until you go out on another mission. There is a hybrid of sorts where you can, it's like the, the flight bay or something like launch that. Bay know, or, launch bay. Yeah. Where I don't know if it's exactly the same people who you were, playing with but it is other people maybe on the same server that is true and you can access you, you can talk to them you can send them messages you can access you know your your vault and your your crafting and you know whatever your forge uh so it's kind of a um quick access to pretty much everything in tarsus uh but i don't again i don't know if it's the same squad mates you were with or just random people that you might get paired up with the next mission Another thing I'd like to see is um, when you collect certain weapons or components on the field, um, currently they just say what type of item it is. If it's a common item, an uncommon, rare, so on and so forth. I would prefer to actually get some kind of graphic thumbnail image or something that actually shows what it is that you've gotten. What, 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 have, you, what have you earned? What have you retrieved? Which again, if you look at the 2017 E3 demo, they actually had that where like someone would pick up a weapon and you'd see the there's like a picture of a That's gun that would right. come up and they're like, oh sweet, I got the epic whatever, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. 
So that is something that I would like to see a change in the game. And not only that, but I'd also like to see the ability be implemented where if you are, if you find a certain weapon that you'd like to use, that's, that's clearly better than the ones you have. You should be able to have kind of like a mini loadout screen where you're able to swap in and out um, those weapons. And I've, I've, I've watched, um, certain forums where people talk about how they should have complete access to their loadout screens. So like the ones before you actually launch into your mission. <clears throat> I per personally think that, that, that it should not be the case just because realistically speaking, if you're out in the field, you're away from your armory. There's right. no way that you can carry all those weapons and have those readily available. I just don't think that's realistic. Well, but I do think it's realistic when you're on the field and you happen to see a weapons drop or like, yeah, you, would you like to equip that now? Well, yes, I would. Yeah. Well, also too, sometimes when you have to start the mission entirely all over, they should have a loadout right then and there. You're starting the mission over, so we're going to grant you that. To, to, to access your vault, which if you're trying to fight through a, a stronghold, mm -hmm. like for example, I had a pistol with me and I had my assault rifle. Well, I needed my sniper rifle, but I couldn't go get my sniper rifle. I had to actually completely end the mission altogether, right. wait through that loading screen and then get my gun, then start the mission all over again, pair up with new people. And it was like that whole way around versus if I could just, okay, we're all dead. We got to start over from the checkpoint. Can I just access my vault, please? And that's a good point too, is when you come back, like for instance, when you're on the victory screen, you have three options, I believe. You have one where you can return to Tarsus. You have the ability to go to that, that launching bay, or you can go to your forge. I would like a fourth option in there to just be able to go back to your map screen while you're all still squatted up and give you the, the ability to be able to choose a different mission or side mission or whatever it is, game type, on the map and then have no loading time. Instead, just um, be able to, to, to turn around, like have, have the screen, you know, it has that shallow depth of field. All of a sudden, have the background come back into focus um, all the, the UI goes away and suddenly now you get to jump back off and go immediately into another adventure. Um, cause currently like, like what, to your point, like in order to start another adventure, you have to like go through like three loading screens or something right. to get back into doing something. And it's like, well, wait a minute, why don't we just have <laughs> a hot button option right there to be able right. to, to continue um, exploring and that sort of you thing. You know what I'd like to also say, see with the, <clears throat> the weapons is just some more detail if you get something special. You have like a light machine gun class, but there will be called three different types of weapons, but they all look exactly the same. Yeah, I'm really surprised that they went with more of a 2D concept design approach to the weapons. I, will for, I for one, am a huge fan of being able to see a 3D rendered weapon that I, I have control over that I can rotate and, and zoom in on and just appreciate all the craftsmanship and, and, and creativity with it. And I also just, just piggybacking on your thought, I mean, even having a larger selection of weapons, which I do believe, I think that, that we will see more types of weapons get released the higher level we, we reach. And I think if I remember correctly, IGN was talking about that, how especially during the end game, you will get more weapons that are way more impressive and, and just different altogether. Do you have crafting on your list, Russ? I do not have. I mean, okay. Well, I, let me know. I have one more item on here. Let me okay, 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 okay. 
Um, it's, it's, it's a uh, second cousin ish thing to what you're talking about, but, um, I want to be able to augment your javelins, payloads and armor pieces. Um, which again, you, you may be able to do at a higher level. I don't know, but I would, I mean, like they kind of dole out little things here and there. You can buy a helmet or you can buy different arms or that sort of thing, but it's like one option. Like I don't see this huge store where it's like, I could get a kind of a sneak peek of like, Oh wow, that one looks super cool, but it's really expensive. I'd like to be able to, you know, save my gold or coins or whatever it is. And then be able to, to, um, make a, a purchase that I've been, excited to get for some time or something to that effect. So this one's kind of more of like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure if, if this has already been implemented into the game or not, but what were you going to say about crafting? Yeah. I mean, so they, they obviously crafting is a part of the game, but it's more for like blueprints on extra weapons and you obviously can buy extra armor, but why not craft extra armor too? I mean, you're you're gaining all this stuff on every single mission. You bring home like, what did I get? And it's literally just weapons or stuff to modify your weapons. And the stuff you can modify weapons with, you can't notice the effects of. It's just, okay, this is a, a rare item, so we're going to highlight it in you know blue or purple. And, and that's all you really get. But like, what if you really like... Um, one light machine gun and you want to hold on to that machine gun, but you want to put in a magazine that's twice as large or right. you want to put a better stock on it or a silencer or we want to modify just that one gun. Right. There's nothing you can do to, to, to do that. You have to re-blueprint the entire weapon and after the blueprint, it looks like the weapon you just had, only the stats are better. Yeah. Also too, when you, you, you have to buy up, upgrades that do nothing for your javelin to make it stronger. It's literally all looks. So if it's going to be looks, why can't you use some of the, the alloys and the components that you get off of your mission to somehow craft something for your javelin that you don't have to go out and buy? Right. Yeah, that, that's pretty much... You hit the nail on the head on, on what I was saying earlier about augmenting your javelin. I want to be able to see some visual change to the, the silhouette um, of your javelin. <clears throat> so if you have like some sort of new payload or new weapon or whatever it is, like some of those weapons can actually be a part of your suit as opposed to you holding a gun. And I, I think it would be, you know, and this is nothing new. I mean, Halo has always been really good at that, especially during the, the online components where the higher levels you go, you start to unlock different pieces of armor. And it was just fun to be right. able to customize right. your your Spartan and uh, give you a sense of um, individuality. Right. Which, you know, in this game, it's cool that you can change your paint colors. You can change your materials and textures. I think that's cool. But I, I, I but also... not enough. Well, if you recall, too, going back to that same demo from 2017, um, there was a, the, the guy who was playing as the Colossus was like, hey, let me try out this new weapon thing I got. And, and it gave the impression, to me anyway, that you could have certain augmentations be performed on your javelin that would ultimately, like, you know, maybe have, like, some kind of shoulder cannon. Right. Or you'd have, like, something around your waist that you could take off. Or, you know, like Iron Man, for instance, is a perfect example of what they should be doing where if you were to, to line up all the different Iron Man suits... Each one has completely different augmentations put you know, just, just implemented into the suit itself. You know, whether it's like wrist rockets or it's shoulder rockets or like, you know, they have different afterburners in different places or whatever. But I mean, each one 
not only has a different look, but also has different functionalities and purpose overall. And I think that that's what Anthem definitely needs to do because their suits totally kind of pay homage or lean in that direction of what Iron Man is, is just loved for. Yeah. So. I mean, this could easily be an Iron Man simulator. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll use the same kind of flight mechanics anyway. So what are your concluding thoughts? Well, I think it was going from an A-plus title down to a C title, pretty much. Because if you take away the, 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 the gameplay, which the gameplay is a grind and it's repetitive, and it's only... I mean, people have beat the game in 25 hours, and we've put 10 hours into it, which means, hypothetically, we could be halfway through the game and the story is still completely non-interesting. <laughs> so, I mean, if you... Like, like, for example, if you compare it to The Witcher... If you take away the combat of The Witcher, the story is still amazing. Right. If you if you give it if you take away the story and you just have the combat, the combat's still good. So either way you look at the game, both aspects are fantastic. With Anthem, if you and, and the same thing you could be with Red Dead Redemption. If you take away the, the combat, the story is amazing. If you take away the story, the combat's still a lot of fun and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So with Anthem. You know, A, it's a grind, so you better love the atmosphere you're going to be on because you're going to be playing that again and again and again and again and again. But when you fly back home and you go, oh, let's look at the spoils of war. Let's uh, use some of the spoils. Oh, we can't really. We can't really notice anything. Oh, you know, I, and the dialogue is is uninspiring and dull and Tarsus is dull and everything with non-combat is dull. It just leaves that part of the game to, to, to be a lot, you know, there's just a lot there to be desired, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just, it's a missed opportunity. Um, I think that, I mean, I don't know how, if, how much they can really implement a game uh, for updates once the game has already been released and installed. I mean, I think they could do DLC and I don't think they can re, um, uh, re-render anything or add new sound effects. I don't know. I mean, maybe they can, maybe they can't, but um, I don't know. There, there is a, bunch that I would like to see, but I, I will say also that I am concerned because they're already wanting you to spend money on upgrades and we've already spent 60 bucks to get the game. And I now I don't mind spending more money on upgrades if it's a reasonable amount, but when new DLC drops, like if it was more, you know, more sound effects, better graphics, that sort of thing, I would expect a lot of that to be free knowing that what they were trying to sell us back at E3 is not exactly what we bought, mm. you know? <clears throat> Yeah, I think for me, like I said at the beginning, I think it's a mixed bag. I um, when I, when I watched the the demo itself, you know how excited I was. This was one of my most uh, highly anticipated titles of 2019, and now that I have it in my hands, <clears throat> I think that um, I, while I wouldn't, I definitely was anticipating an A plus title. I don't think I would go down to a C, but I would say B minus. And the reason for that being is, like I said, um, the sound effects are, in my opinion, fantastic. The animations are really well done. The core gameplay mechanics, whether it's flying or shooting, whatever it is, um, the the team-based squad feels really good. Um, I do like that a lot. I think that, though, this is what happens when you have a minimum viable product. I think when you release an MVB title that is intentionally only 60% complete, I think that this is what you constantly run into. And the gamers will punish companies for that. And I cannot stress that enough. Like how if you want 
fans to really stay loyal and reward you for putting a ton of content into your game, you've got to keep that in mind before you just push out a, a title somewhere. So anyway, I, but again, I think that I, I am cautiously optimistic. I want to see what the other DLC drops do. I also, um, you know, like I said, I really do like BioWare a lot. So I'm hoping that they're listening to their fans. My hope is, is that they will be able to implement changes and even looking at some of the, the patches that they've already released, they've, they've really done a, a good job so far of stabilizing the game, which again would never be the case if they released a game that was hundred percent complete. Right. But still uh, at least they are being pretty good at being Johnny on the spot and getting certain things squashed and then adding other things as well. So I'm, I'm going to take a wait and see approach. I really do hope that they implement these things, but it certainly is not like this huge thing that like red dead redemption two was where when we saw footage from the game and then the game came out, I mean, it was from the moment that game started, I'm like, Whoa, this is, this is on a whole new level. Well, it's not only that, but I mean, even the still images that they brought out were like, yeah, that was a pre-order. That, that, that can't be the yeah. game. You know, the game came out and you're like, well, my gosh, that looks amazing. Yeah. Well, that wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it really helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on TuneIn Radio, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and SoundCloud.com slash TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9 30 p.m. Central Time. We'll see you next week. Later.